2: Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings. Smash a like and sub to the channel while you're here, and down in the comment section, Throw me out some guests that you might want to see come on the Pat Mayo experience, because as we get through the summer months, sure, we've got football coming up, more on that later in the week. Obviously, the golf is hanging around, but sometimes I like to sit back, I like to chat, and I like to chat with some interesting people, is what we're doing today. Brian Hooper from the Lowell's podcast. Is that the best place to call you from? Because that's the place where I know you from the most. Actually, I know you on with Davis, weirdly enough, the most, but I had such a good time when I was on with you and Pete. I was like, I got to talk to Brian more.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I would assume that's probably the most well-known spot I'm at. I mean, I'm on Twitter, if that counts. But yeah, basically, the most shows I do are with, with those two guys. Definitely with Davis, we do quite a bit.
2: So what do you prefer when you're doing content? Because, uh, I mean, it just in full disclosure, I watched last week's episode with Hoop, with you and Pete. And I remember Tambo telling me one time that like, you came on Run Pure to give out picks. Do you like doing pick shows?
1: No, I I uh I rarely do those. I rarely do pick shows. Yeah, I did run Pure for like a for like a bit. And Big T asked me, and he was on our show, so I always feel obliged, right, to, to return the favor. I do and I do um Osmos, uh Stochastic, sorry. <laughs> I do their pick <laughs> show two or three times a year usually. Um, but I don't I don't do I don't do the you know, I like Rio you know this week i do uh all right i'll run i'll run my whole process right before the show if i can and then go this is this is what it's telling me and i can tell i can guess as to why uh that it's thinking this but um you know i don't really you know give specific picks usually
2: well that's because you're how often do you ever make a gut play when you're filling out your DraftKings lineups
1: pretty pretty rare this weekend i did with uh chase hooper i bumped him up <laughs> right before i entered it almost for uh for the lulls in its own because that's been like a long running bit on their shows uh is chase hoopers we because we did a live stream god it's been over a couple years where we had like chris Randone on and just a whole bunch of people and we weren't, we didn't have that many people watching us back then. We had like 1200 concurrents going on this live stream. It was during COVID and we had to delete it because there was a lot of like COVID talk and we were drinking a lot and stuff <laughs> from some of the guests and Pete and uh, Pete, like, I don't know, he didn't feel comfortable. With some of the, some of the things And I'm like, you know, what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna delete it. I don't care. This is, this is all for fun. I mean, it's still saved on my YouTube channel, but anyways, we got in an argument. The reason I bring that up, uh, we got in an argument over, the uh, Amanda Nunez versus Chase Hooper and Chase Hooper was, was getting beat pretty bad uh, around that time. And uh, like the other guys were saying that Amanda Nunez would beat her. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I mean, we don't need to re- rehash this argument now, but ever since then we've gone, we've just been using Chase Hooper as a, as kind of a bit, And now those guys are on his, on, on the Chase Hooper bandwagon which just drives me crazy because they were <laughs> besmirching this man uh, for so long. So um, like I did it, I did it. Uh, I did it that this weekend, which worked out well. Cause he had like 200 strikes. Um, but like, it's pretty rare. Sometimes I'll have like in football, I'll have like a tight end who, is, like, for some reason, my, my Sims give me like 47% or something, 67%, something like, it. and I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't need that much of this tight end. I don't know why. It it might just be something in my overall process that needs uh, tweaking. Um, But other than that, it's pretty rare. I don't like go in there and go like, I know Scotty Scheffler is going to pull this one out this
2: week, and I just got to get more of him, you know? That's probably why you win and I lose every single week, because that's something that I would do. Because I did that this week. I was like, ah, 75% Cam Smith isn't enough. How about... 95% 95% because he's gonna win and then when he doesn't win you're like oh shit that was a terrible idea
1: <laughs> that was a pretty good play though actually this week turned out on Sunday
2: yeah but I took Rom over Scheffler and Brooks so that wasn't great either
1: <laughs> okay okay yeah oh well, god yeah he, he fell apart I faded I faded so it, here's one thing I do do like I faded Spieth this weekend completely uh, Tom Kim um, and McIntyre because of injury concerns, it's kind of just like my general rule of thumb with golf is the uh, the the injury news is so bad, and like the, I think they purposely, like a big boys club back like in the you know 60s baseball days where they or even the 80s and 90s where they wouldn't talk about them doing steroids, and they all knew right they would make up make up stories like oh uh, McGuire had um you know this this workout uh, powder That's must be what or he got new contacts I, I mean if you remember Pat the, back in the day all the stories they, the excuses they would make up. Uh, so I think they just like cover for these guys and we don't know the full injury concerns. So if there is like, you know, some news out there that they're hurting in its golf, like it's so random and it's so hard to predict, I will not always, but generally fade them. And it, it, it bit me in the ass last week with, uh, Jason day. Now or was that two weeks ago where he won. I full faded him because the, the the vertigo issues, and it's jason day but um so i guess i guess those those are some exceptions to the rule but usually people are more they want like you know you uh, lebron james is for sure going for 60 tonight and uh, i i don't do that type of stuff
2: Well, well it'd be tough for you too like if you're basing everything off your your process your simulations that you're doing i'm assuming that when you're going on to talk about this stuff you're 150 max entering all of it like you're do you end up with a lot of a lot of like if a like last week, the PGA championship in a player pool of 156 guys, like how many of the guys did you actually end up playing like a hundred?
1: Oh, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know if it's that high. I I should, I should check. It might, it might be, it might be more in the 80 or 90 range. Um, I, so like when I, when I was doing, um, optimizer only, um, you know, tweaking using my own projections and stuff like back in the day, um I kind of had this rule of thumb there where if I got, you know, 1% or, you know, very small amount in my 150 of a player who's like higher owned than that. So let's say the guy's like projected to be 8% owned, and I have 1% of them. I would just X them out and then re- rerun it again because. I think from an optimizer point of view, it's not smart, right? It's not smart, like a full SIM bottom up process. And it's, and it's just, it's just optimizing is just adding together the numbers based on the constraints you're giving it. Right. And the projections you're feeding it. And it's just like, this is 0.1 better than the one above it. So that's, that's not like smart enough to where if you do go uh, you know, these 1% percenter guys that are super far owned, I would just get rid of them but my process is saying that the full co- you know lineup of all these players you know mixed you know mixed with what the field might look like and all these combo considerations that you know I can't do in my head I don't think anyone could do in their head it's saying you could you should still put this 1% guy in there even though he's going to be higher owned the lineup as a whole is still still worth it so i just i do play more players probably than a lot of folks um, which I think people are really doing that more too as I like look back through lineup study and and see and definitely in baseball guys are playing 120 140 players now where they weren't really doing that you know two three years ago which is kind of a bummer
2: Yeah, I suppose. Like, I remember, like, we've had different guests from time to time. Like, I mean, you've probably seen this just as much as anyone. You'll see someone go on the big heater in any sort of sport for, I mean, in golf, it could last a month because that's four tournaments worth. It's not like four really hot days in baseball. But I saw this during NBA season as well, where one guy would just kind of ship three tournaments in 10 days or something like that. It's like, holy shit, like, what is this guy doing that... Basically, broke the slate. Why does he continue to win? But that it's not that you don't see those people ever again. It's just whatever they did during that stretch was the optimal way to play, but it wasn't necessarily always the optimal way to play. And I think that I kind of fell into that trap that a lot of people that I was seeing in golf were just playing these really small core of players. Like they were playing 50 lineups, they were using 15 guys, and they were either going to be right or they were going to be wrong. But you know, it just leaves me some weeks where I have no six of sixes through the cut, just because I had two guys wrong. I could have 13 of 15 do really well, but just those other two guys being such a massive exposure, like everyone at 10, 15% at minimum, just kind of blows up your entire spot. So I don't know whether, and golf is tough to do too, because it's once a week, you know, you could have good process for a month and lose lose every cent you have. It's really hard to tell until you have a large enough sample. It's like, oh, well, I'm losing a ton now. Maybe I need to to switch this up like how do you know what's best or is it just whatever best works for you
1: well for, for, for my like uh, current process it's basically whatever the sim tells me and I just looked it up I, I played 79 players this this past week in my 150 in the milli um, so not, not super high and I, I feel that's di- just like gut feeling somewhere around whatever the cut line is it's probably about right if you're doing a full 150 anyways you know like between 60 and 80 probably Uh, you know, because you want you want all these guys getting through. Now, so I do I do what I just do what it tells me basically. Now, it previously when I was doing optimizers, I think you can get um, a little more. You know, what's the right word? Like intervening and uh, and kind of try to like uh, diversify a little bit manually. So, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the one unique, you know, core three, four guys, and you get, you know, 20 players total in your pool, 150 ing. And then you either die or you take, you know, first, sixth, eighth, ninth, you know, whatever, however that looks like on the leaderboard. Although, although that is, that is fun because, you know, it's so top heavy now. Like, I know, I know, uh, I know you're like, well, this is the, the strategy isn't to, take first seventh or eighth or whatever it's like have when you do good like you you want as many shots at getting that that one good lineup from this i like i get i get the strategy and i'm not even against it really i just i just think like portfolio management wise like it's probably better to diversify that's what the sims tell me in almost every single sport now it varies so like some weeks I'll have like sixty seven percent of a guy, or something. it depends on the sport, what, what which one we're talking about. Like like baseball, like occasionally I'll have like eighty percent of a pitcher, for, you know. And sometimes the highest will be thirty. So it does it does change, and which also makes sense is another kind of rule of thumb I always say on the show is like you should never like always be over. Like if you if you're a contrarian player, you should never always be under like really low own. Like you should sometimes you should play a guy who's chalky you know, sometimes you shouldn't like it. it, it's, it shouldn't all, I don't know I'm saying on a specific week, what you should do, but if you're always going one direction, like that's probably not right. Because what the Sims are telling me is sometimes you're going over and sometimes you're going under. And I'm thinking it's, it's the same thing with portfolio management where you're, sometimes you should have a tighter core and sometimes you shouldn't. And so if you're always doing one or the, just one or the other, that's probably not right. And, um, and like you can also do some like really interesting uh uh you know like um actual portfolio theory from you know you know old stock stock uh, uh tips you can Google online where you're trying to to get as much EV with as little risk as possible. And so like certain stocks will do well when others do bad. And you kind of I mean, you can't really do it in DFS totally, but you can kind of picture that in your head where like, okay, if this guy does bad, will this guy do good? Like an easy example would be in baseball. So like a stack against a pitching, a pitcher. Like if you have a, a bunch of that pitcher and in and, and basketball, this is perfect too. You can use this strategy in basketball quite a bit. If you have like, but let's back to the baseball one. If you have a pitcher who is um, like chalk or something and you have a lot of them, well, you might want to put like 5% of the opposing stack in those in your 150 set to you know balance out your risk and you could you know i i'm assuming that makes sense to you pat and then apply that idea to any sport you want golf's kind of tough golf's kind of tough to because there's not a ton of correlations and stuff like that but even even with like a leaderboard, like if one guy goes up the other guy goes down because that guy's taking all those points you know so um like i think you can minimize your risk even in pga a little bit by diverse by diversifying smartly unfortunately i can't just like tell you what to do. Like I could, uh, you personally can DM me and I'll be like, Hey, this week I'm, um, I'm, uh, I got a smaller pool because I'll at Sheffler. You just got to have 60% of them, but I don't know what to do on a week to week basis.
2: It's funny, like, there is such limited use of correlation in PGA. The only time I can ever really remember it working, like, I know Raza does his skill stacks. Like, hey, I think this is going to be a bomber's paradise. So I'm basically just taking all bombers, play 95% of my lineups that way, 5% with, like, the shorter hitting accuracy guys in case something goes wrong. But even that, you can just completely whiff at the same time. And those two, those two things aren't mutually exclusive, like we've seen at enough US Opens where, hey, the big bomber guys, are you know one, three, five on the leaderboard, yet somehow two and four are just short hitters who ran a hot putter that week, like there's no real rhyme or reason in trying to make a predictive analysis of the situation, but I remember Dink probably fuck. Five six years ago, at this point, ended up winning. I think it was the 555 and back to back weeks in golf by entering a lineup that was the contrarian wave stack. That was the only way I found to get like contrarian leverage on the field. Like everyone played the AM PM, he's like, "Fuck it, I'm the only person playing PM AM. I'll do that."
1: If you if you can especially in small field, it's a uh, a big uh, boon to your EV to get that like one combo or even one guy Um, as a, there's a, there's like, there's a, it seems, I don't know, counterintuitive, but like there is a, it's almost better to play those contrarian guys in the smaller field than the larger field, because like a 3% owned guy in the larger field, like this weekend or whatever, then how many lineups you're playing still against 3000 lineups or whatever it is you know, with, with that guy, but a 3% owned guy in a 200 man field, 300 man field, you might be the only one with him. And, uh, and, and if he goes off, like, you, you know, that's clearly a huge edge. So, um, now I, you know, caveat, I, I'd say this often and go play a bunch of 0.1% guys. That's not a good strategy, but if you can get, you know, uh, th- th- this is more common in the NBA actually, but if you can get, you know, Giannis or LeBron, believe it or not at like two or 3% owned, which happens sometimes when they're in bad matchups with high salary. And there's just a lot of, lot, or there's not a ton of value on the slate. Like if you could get, you know, you got the one share of that guy and he just happens to have a 70 point night or something. That's, that's really big. Uh, that, and you know, combos too, uh, can really pay off where you could still play, um, you know, Scheffler or somebody and you get the, uh, and you just get lucky on your combos so like that's kind of where the ownership game is like you know it, it stinks when like if you're trying to do that 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 strategy i just laid out where you want lebron at one percent owned and then you you open up the tournament and then he's nine percent owned. you're not the only one with him nine other guys have him now it's a bad play you got the worst player and a bunch of other guys have him and you're 200 man so it kind of stinks that way but that's kind of the guessing game with ownership um where that's what you're, you're, you're really trying to get is, is unique that way. Um, As opposed to like the, the weather play. um, I don't, I kind of like it too, just in general, because weather doesn't always go the way it's planned, you know, shocker they're, they're off sometimes. And, and the delays, uh, Pat, you're well aware. They'll be like, Oh, there's a frost delay. So it's like, how long is that going to last? 30 minutes, two, two hours. Now the waves just shifted completely. So um, I just kind of like that. That uh, and, and that's another way to portfolio management you could do is like okay now I have just making making numbers up I got like fifty percent in this wave of you know expected good we- weather well let's do you know now stack the other wave uh, just in case it switches or who knows you know like uh, whatever there's a delay or something now you're kind of balancing your risk without really losing a ton you know assuming you're still building you know decent lineups.
2: This is what happened to me in showdown round one at the PGA Championship, is that I looked at the weather, I was like, oh man, it's going to be way easier in the afternoon. This is great. I'll just stack afternoon guys. The frost delay hits for two hours, and all of a sudden, the conditions are fantastic for all the morning guys, and all the morning guys go super low, and I'm like dead last in all of these tournaments, because... I just I didn't play enough lineups to have the ability to do it the other way. I played twenty and I was like, Yeah, I don't really want to play like fifty, do thirty one way, ten one way, and a mix of ten the other. I'm just gonna to commit to this and hope it works and got completely wiped
0: out.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That the the the, the uh, who had a big span? Big T and in, in Levitan, right? Like a month ago about about the the weather. I mean, th- there's so few correlation in, in PGA that when you can use it, I think you should is my uh, general rule of thumb. So, but like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it can bite you in the ass for sure.
2: Is there anyway we talked about like a lack of correlation in PGA. You've been talking about mm-hmm. UFC a little bit. Obviously, there's not a ton of correlation in UFC, unless there is, and I just don't know about it. But I would think that being able to take a contrarian stand in MMA is actually probably pretty lucrative if you're playing a bunch of lineups especially against yourself
1: yeah well i mean there is there is huge correlation in mma you know um the fighters fight each other so like (laughs) you don't want the fighter from the same fight so that that's like one and believe it or not people do play against fight uh fighters against each other a lot um, cause I, th- I think they're just not paying attention or something. Well, well,
2: there's, but you also get that like rare example, probably twice a year where you need both the guy, there's some sort of yeah. five round decision where everyone lands 200 strikes each. It's like, all right, you needed both the guys.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's true. I just had this conversation yesterday. It's funny you say that. And so like there is in, um, there is, uh, you know, like two, three, 4% of the time where it's a good, it's a good strategy. And so it would be on smaller slates when fighters are scratched. It's not COVID times anymore. So there's there, it's a lot better, right? We're still getting 12 usually, but when, when you start getting under that, it, it makes it more viable. Five round fights are better than three round fights, but there are some cases where three round fights actually could be stacked. And it's really, it, I think the benefit is, um, that, that combo uniqueness, um, you're just you're just only you know uh, only playing against how many you know couple lineups now and so you gotta get super lucky still and you're not gonna be duped most likely um but that i mean that is an issue especially in the five round fights people know that there's like there's a combination of people who don't know and they they stack and people who do know and stack and so how many combos of that are there that are taking away that uniqueness edge right so um uh, I, I'm going to, I, I'm, believe it or not, I think going forward when there's less than 12 fighters, I will be incorporating some stacking, but previously I almost never, never did. Um, but now I'm, now I'm gonna, but I still, I, I, I mean, I almost hesitate to even say that cause like if you're hand building, that's kind of tough to pull off. I think
2: I can see that. How hard is it to sim UFC based on like every other sport has stats and yes, there are stats, For the UFC... But you have let's say you have some guy on a three fight winning streak piling up either a bunch of takedowns or significant strikes, knowing that they were likely doing that against inferior competition. And when they make this level up, how is that going to translate? Or do you just put in a baseline for everyone and be like, all right, now that I've put the odds into it as well, whatever the first knockout odds are, decision odds are, I'm sure all of that goes into simulating the entire process that that makes up for it. Or is there something you have to look at and be like, yeah, that seems off. So,
1: so I want, so I want to eventually build my MMA s- s- stem to be more like, you know, like the like uh like the Run Your Sims type of full game simulation, uh you know where you know player X passes to player Y and then what happens, things like that. So like it would be you know the you know there's so many strikes this player you know he strikes with what and then what happens in that. In that in that um, in that uh, role that iteration, and then just do that you know a thousand times, unless the the, the person gets knocked out, and then that's the end of the round. Okay, what time was it? Is there any bonus there? Move on, and then do that ten thousand times or twenty thousand. But I'm not I'm not there yet, and I'm not entirely sure it's needed. So like mine is more like similar to what you were you were saying, where it's uh, based on the Vegas odds, win loss, a fighter wins, fighter loses. And then there's a roll on uh, a score generated from first round knockout and all, and all the Vegas, uh, info, um, that I, that I scrape. Um, so yeah, it's not, it's not super complicated, but like MMA, I don't think you'd need it, uh, just yet. Um, and it's so hard. It would be hard to do that anyways. I'm not sure what, what a bonus you get. Your distributions would look a lot sharper, probably. Um, but a, a big part of MMA, as we've said on our show a bunch of times, is dupes. And so, uh, like you, you just want you just want to very similar to the the small field strategy I laid out the, uh, earlier, where you want you want one, two, three, or du- you know dupes, but with a really good lineup and the problem is you're playing against other people who are smart and they know this now and your three your projected 3 now turns into 12 you know uh your projected 12 dupes your projected 1 is now projected 3 and so you got to go further and further down the tree there and then those lineups uh just have no chance so like i, I know a lot of guys were doing like 149 out of 150 were one dupe Like, yeah, you're a genius, right? Like, no, probably not. Like, most of those are probably dead. Um, And sometimes, and sometimes they're so, they're, they're, they're like, have a very, very slight chance and then they, they hit it. And they're like, see, I told you, just play the one dupes, but it's, it's, you're really trying, you're, you're hoping the other people make a mistake on a lineup and you don't get duped, but that it's still, that it's still good. So there's like a balancing act, and all that is just so much more important that you know than uh, whether you know Chase Hooper's you know uh, his projection is 68 or 72.
2: I can see that we're working actually on an MMA product at Run the Sims right now. We're trying to corner the market on all football, whether it be NFL or Spring League football, and it's funny how much more profitable. Per dollar spring league football is the issue is just getting the money down on it like to even to talk to paul paul was chase hooper the guy that quit halfway through the round that you loved was he that guy no who was that guy Quit. yeah remember you loved him and then he got beat and then we tried to back you tried to back him again and he like quit in between rounds oh that was max roshkov yeah that your guy that guy Yeah, he went to Bellator. He got knocked out recently. We don't need to talk about Max Rush. The the pain is just (laughs) too—it's too severe at this point. We just let Max do his own thing. He was on the show, really nice guy. But hopefully, he gets back on track. But the the sims that like the run the sims that we've been using for the prize picks player props uh, from USFL and XFL have just been a printing press. And I'm hoping that there are so few. How many people like? product wise out there like you have your own simulations that you're running for UFC but i can't imagine there's a lot of like huge lineup public or not public but like private that you can access simulations to UFC out there is there
1: no i don't think there's any um i could be wrong i know there's the oh god what's the name of the site saber sim or something and they say like they do sims on the back end and maybe they have an MMA product i'm i'm not familiar with them but no i'm not i'm not aware of any simulations and i you know when when we first started doing our show me and pete um i uh and he still makes fun and fun of me for it i thought there were like 10 20 percent of guys were doing sims and doing their own projections and stuff like that and it turns out it's way less like um like even Yu cow doesn't do his own sims and stuff like that he's more like a, a hand builder but i mean he won 50s obviously and uses an optimizer and stuff like that but he's he's making his own his own opinions, a lot of the time on on how on how he should play and uh, not using a sim. So I there's there's not many. It's still it's still new in the game, and I've I've talked to Justin about his MMA sim a little bit.
2: Yeah, we, we just well, want think we we just want to make sure that it's good before we put it out. And like we he tried it out with F1, and it actually worked really well with F1. The problem is everyone just seems to get to the same lineup in F1 regardless of what you do. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it will work more like, at least in my humble opinion, Pat, I know it's your guy's product, but it would, it would work more like a showdown in football. And so like, if you take the number one, you know, uh, lineup on run the Sims for showdown and you're playing in the 150, you're probably going to do quite a bit, right? So like, you got to look at ownership and, and then search for some teams that you want down the list. And so I think you'll get, um, You'll get some some users, you know, duping themselves. But uh, you know, quickly they should realize that they're gonna have to go far down the list to get some get some unique lineups in there. But but it's it still benefit. I mean, I mean honestly, I probably will switch to run the Sims Sim. I'll have to talk to Justin about it once you guys do release it, but I might uh, try to implement that into my process.
2: Yeah, you can get the uh, the friends and family discount of just DM me and I'll send you a login.
1: Great, great! I already have a login, but I need one for the yeah, well, MMA. I well, need more than a login. I need, I need, uh, I need, a need special. Back-end. Yeah, you need back end
2: access to it. You kind of hit on right. g- guy like different players don't use sims. You know they use an optimizer or they're making their own stands on everything. What do you think the most anyone has ever won in a year in DFS is?
1: Hmm.
2: Ah, oh, God, that's tough. Five million, ten million. What do you think the most anyone's lost in the year is? More?
1: Um, no, I, I would say less, because I don't think we have any whale. Like we don't have any that. Who's the guy who runs Cirque, 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 Cirque de sole? Soleil? Uh, Got the Canadian guy,
2: the French guy, uh, the French guy. Yeah, I don't know his name.
1: Whatever his name is, he's a huge poker player, and he would just donate on full tilt back in the day, like millions. <laughs> like I don't think we have anyone like that, do we? So like the guys who would donate two million in a year probably won five million the last few years before that. Um, and I w- I'm not sure. I, I honestly I wouldn't even call it donating. Like it, it, GPP professional D- GPP uh, variants is the worst than any gambling I've ever been you know associated with and i've been associated with almost all of them so it's 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 absolutely brutal so like if you are playing like you know uh you know Mach lovin stakes he's probably the hot he put he not only stakes but volume he's the highest volume guy you know Osmo during his prime they could swing they could swing a million in um in a month easy two
2: million that's gotta be a tough lifestyle
1: it's not easy i don't know yeah <laughs> I'm I've been close.
2: Do you have to be like a computer? Like essentially you have no emotions going into it? Like are you full tilting the entire time when you're in one of these down swings? Like how do you how do you prevent yourself from like tripling down on the losses like you see people do in sports betting or in a casino or whatever it might be or does that happen?
1: Well, I th- yeah, it's harder to tilt like that for me at least in DFS than like poker. I mean, because like you got to like put your lineups in and stuff. And like, I'm still like, it's hard for me to tilt because like I'm still doing like, you know, a simulation and R and all this stuff. It's like, I don't know how to tilt like that. Like, okay, let's, let's press the button and let's upload all the stats. And you know, I don't even know how you tilt like even without that stuff. Like, I'm going to enter Grio and Scheffler. That, oh, yeah, this. like, I don't know. I don't get it. In poker, it totally makes sense. You just, you could watch like the, the old tough fish videos on YouTube. You know, you just ship all the money in right with nothing and uh, do that four times in a row. And then you lose half your roll. So like, I don't know. I, I, it's hard for me to see the whole, the whole tilt thing, but it is tough. Like, f- well, first of all, obviously losing sucks, but like um, it's tough to just know what your edge is year in year out because the game is always changing we know it's always trending towards efficiency as all these markets where they're competitive people smart people and money involved and cheating right so you always gotta you know no matter what you're playing dfs regardless you always got to be aware that you know maybe some shenanigans are going on so um, and you know, it's not as bad now, but before another warning, uh, would be like the sites would go under and lose. So you never put too much of your role on any, any site, but that's pretty unlikely in this, in, you know, highly regulated environment.
2: Well, I guess it would depend um, but- on the site. Like, I, I think that's always the fear of any startup that starts throwing money around right away. I remember at fantasy, I think it was in 2014, like they fantasy aces sponsored some sort of segment on the channel fortunately i was not involved with that but they just closed their door one day and ran away <laughs> no one got any money back i
1: uh, yeah i was one of them i was on that list they sent out a list of uh, everyone who's old old money i'd luckily that was uh when i was first starting that was a long time ago and um i only, I only had like three grand or five grand on there something like that um but yeah there could be some new i mean i like i don't want to uh shame them because i want more startups to come and compete It's just uh, because of the regulation, the barrier to entry and the costs associated with getting state licenses and stuff like that and legal fees and lobbyists is we're probably stuck with what we got unless like a big boy gets involved like CBS or something like that. So, you know, you're not, you're probably not going to have your, your um, role, you know, taken by some um, Canadian rich kid, like on fantasy aces, but um, you know, you're going to have higher rake and less competition and probably may not even be able to beat it. Who knows, you know, in a few years, it might get so high because of the lack of competition. So it's a trade-off that, uh, you know, there's nothing you can do about anyways. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, you just gonna have to roll with whatever's in front of you at the moment and try to adapt to that. But I don't even see, I mean, in- unless you're a player props pick site masquerading as fantasy, I just don't see who would even get into the FanDuel doesn't even want to be in the DFS space anymore.
1: Yeah, it doesn't seem like it, does it? No. Yeah, it's a shame. Um, I mean, I I think they were they were they wanted to get bought out. Right. You remember that. And they uh, Congress denied it, said it was a monopoly. And uh, that was probably a mistake because clearly they were done. Um, I mean it's still available right it's it's still there they're still providing it they' it's not clearly not their their focus, so I'd rather it be there than not be there, but uh yeah, they probably should just let that merger go through in hindsight.
2: Well, yeah, I just don't see where if you were just trying to assess, you mentioned like, because I know even from the inside, like I'm employed uh, by Sports Hub and they run their own sort of contest, not necessarily DFS contests, but they fall under the banner of fantasy. So like the giant one and done that we run through them at Fantasy Golf Championships is only available in so many places now and, and like excluding Ontario in Canada, which was actually like a, you know, it's a big part of my audience. DraftKings isn't available there either. I mean, that's where I started this show from. So I had, I've lost a lot of viewers from there because it's only sports betting now. And then in that in-between time where DraftKings was taken out and all these pool games were taken out that they just don't have access to it. So they don't care anymore. Uh, So they end up tuning out. So that kind of sucked. But in order to get into the DFS market, it's just not profitable unless you're DraftKings. Essentially at this point... And even for them in a play in like these highly regulated places where they treat fantasy the same as sports betting in terms of licensing, just you're not going to unless you're a sports book, there'd be no reason to get into it because you just can't make that kind of money in DFS, especially as a smaller site. I mean,
1: I kind of agree, but I I do like push back on this idea that, you know, like that there's like these finite resources And, and they could only do one or the other, Uh, like, I mean, it's, it's because, especially because it's like modern times, it's not like we have to send, you know, half our workers to go build the, you know, railroad underneath a mountain, or we do, we do something else, right? It's like, it's already set up and it's automated, like a, a whole bunch of it. Like, I know they need customer service and it's not something, but it's a lot less than before. And like, you could see like, you know, like Amazon or something, they do tons of stuff right? Why wouldn't they like stop selling toys and focus on something else that might make more money? Like, I feel like they, they should be able to do it. I think it's probably just incompetence, uh, in FanDuel's part by their management team or, or like in, 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 you know, um, Canada, that was, you know, um, a regulatory hurdle, right? They, they want to provide the product in, in, in the, in those territories, but they can't like legally. So, I mean, I, I get it like they're I understand the logic that, you know, no, they're just going to focus on something else because the profitability is so, you know, is is higher in sports betting. But like, I, I mean, I don't think like, you know, just like at a restaurant or something, too. Right. Like, why wouldn't you just sell hot dogs if you make higher profits on it? Right. Like there needs to be a variety of like there's just all sorts. Of, I, I just don't think it makes like economics economic sense to just say, ah, it makes higher profit sportsbook. You know, these greedy casinos, they're going to put the slot machines ever, everywhere. It's like, yeah, well, they, they don't have any space in casinos and uh, there's, there's unlimited space on the internet. So I, I think they can do it. And I think some of it's uh, incompetence, not just like the the greed, Uh, aspect to it. I don't know. What what do you think about that?
2: I just think, I mean, I I can't speak for the bigger companies because I don't really know. And from what I can gather, especially Ontario related, that the issue lies in the legislation of legalized sports betting within the province, that they combine DFS and sports betting into one Where it's simply not profitable to run a DFS contest because they're being charged the same amount of they're being charged more in tax than the rake is on a tournament. So they're like, why the fuck would we do this?
1: Okay, that's okay. That's that's uh, that's a different argument. That's also ridiculous from your government or whoever's government they, is.
2: There. Well, they just they just don't know is the thing. Like that's why the lobbyists would have been very helpful going into it. But they wanted to pass yeah. legalized betting so quickly. There was no one on the inside who knew anything about any of this stuff. They're like, hey, yeah. let's legalize sports betting. You know, daily fantasy—that's that's sports betting too. This over here—that's also sports betting. Let's just make it all one. Not knowing how the economics yeah. of each of them actually worked.
1: There's a lot going on there, so it's not just like it's it's incompetence, right, on the legislators' part. They don't understand it. There's 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 um, you know political interest. Like if you have casinos in that state, they don't want the competition, and they've lobbied and have relationships with these legislators uh, that they're going to leverage against against doing that. There's there's like it greed's not the right word, but a lot of local legislators, if you can't print your own money like the U.S. federal government, like a state, like a local. Uh, you know, state government, they actually do have budgetary concerns. And like they, they see, they see gambling. And th- this was told to me, I used to, I used to work at the Capitol here in Illinois. And the legislators told me, you know, uh, gambling is a uh, tax on stupid people, <laughs> right? So they're like, whatever, 25%, 50%, who cares? It's the lottery. You know, we tax that at 50%. So we'll just, we'll just tax this. I mean, I guess you could kind of combine that into the the ignorance of like, they don't understand. And then lastly is, The gambling addiction, wild, wild west, casinos rip you off, you know, Hollywood fantasy uh, version of gambling that a lot of people sadly have um, about about gambling in general, which DFS is obviously it's a skill game, but it's still it's still gambling. And so they could use that to justify any of these things, we, the, the first three things or first two things or whatever you want to call it. So, so like you, you throw all that into a pot and it's just, just like a mess that that's happening, you know, in, in your, in, in your country and, you know, on a smaller scale, everywhere, different States here, like Utah or whoever, California, like poker here in Illinois, we still don't have it because the casino, you know, one of the casino owners here is a, like very well connected and has donated tons of money to a lot of uh causes and and uh packs etc cetera, etc cetera. so it, it's unfortunately like it it should it shouldn't be this way but but it is and now and i was just relaying that back to the earlier point if i think if DraftKings didn't have that that hurdle that regulatory hurdle of of taxes then you'd have both you'd have sports betting and dfs like i think they'd easily provide it
2: oh for sure and now like you mentioned before the licensing fee to get into some of these states is just hilariously high or the split that you have to give the state because of the taxes i think that is keeping like i was using us as an example like there's just certain states that we're never going to run in until things change because we're not big enough for it to matter to us, like we would just be paying out all the revenue coming in or maybe not even making it up in some places to pay the initial licensing fee where you know it, it's a lot of risk to go in if you're a smaller company. If you're DraftKings and you know yeah. that you're going to have all of you know the people sign up, you're going to have this volume. If you're not guaranteed to have that volume, then the risk is just turned up to 11 at that point. And you just calculate, well, we could not run and make sure we don't lose money or we can run and we could potentially lose a lot of money doing that.
1: It's a double-edged sword, though, too, because they also use it against as a as a weapon against their competition. This happens not just in in the gambling sector, but but in any any sector, insurance, even in even in like employment, uh, uh, part-time employment companies. I've been a part of. I've seen legislation introduced to to like um, require uh, um, uh, bonds to hire. This is kind of a side note, but like bonds to hire uh, um, uh, part time workers like staffing agencies, you know, they'll staff like events and sporting events and stuff like that from out of state that, that require millions of dollars of that. And then who wanted that legislation introduced? Well, the companies in the legislators district that does staffing agencies. Oh, wow. What a shocker. And then they use and then there's always this argument of, well, think about the person who works staffing at the NASCAR event. And then this fly by night company from Missouri, you know, doesn't pay them. Oh, the whore, right? We have to have this bond. And so they do the same thing in gambling, where they'll go, oh, well, what about our poor gambling addicts? We need to raise taxes so we could pay for, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, uh, and then so they use it that way. But then also, if you're DraftKings and you can afford that, it's actually not that bad of a thing. And once you're entrenched and you've spent all this money, you demand of your legislator. By then you probably have lobbyists or you'd have some sort of connection. You want that barrier to entry to be high. Like, hey, I've been paying all this money. I've been doing all I've been passing all the laws. Like, why should we have poker stars here? I've been the one doing this. Right. So like they, they 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 play it from all sides. Um, and it's really it's really just about about politics, about money and, and influence and power
2: okay oh, oh good michael block i'm glad pri- michael block is priced above alex noren this week in the pricing oh my
1: that's ridiculous uh, <laughs> i just i just figured out how to switch my view on zoom here i had you in this tiny little box and i'm like i can't see his facial expression <laughs> um that that uh that's ridiculous although although noren has not been uh super hot lately but he's he's not that bad
2: he's the 60th ranked golfer in the world
1: okay there you
2: go. Yeah. Kisner is five, Kisner is 500 to one this week and Michael Block is 300 to one. Wow.
1: Cause he got a hole in one.
2: I guess so. I mean, he is a legitimately like crossover into real media story at this point. He was on CNN
0: this morning. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed.
1: What what do you think? Uh, not to change the subject, but if you'd want to talk about this, what do you think about the 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 PGA Championship style courses? For me, it's like it's just like a lottery. Like a like they're just going they're just going. Uh, who knows? Your guy can be you know minus four one day, and then Sunday he's plus fifteen.
0: I I actually
2: like the PGA courses. Versus the U.S. – I mean, not as, I like the U.S. Open as well. I just think that the PGA had to do something. The PGA Championship had to do something to make itself feel like it was worthy of the other majors because for years it was just such an afterthought. Like, moving from August to May really helped it. Although it does – it expands the amount of venues that you can go to because theoretically you could play PGA Championships in Florida right now, in Texas right now, where that seems pretty unfeasible in August where it would just be too damn hot. All of the time now, then the other end of the sword, you get what happened with Frost Warnings in Rochester in the middle of May. But I don't know. They for whatever reason, I actually liked Oak Hill this weekend. I really hated that drivable par four, but I've been over that a few times. Uh, I like the idea that they've made it harder, even though it is a bit more of a crapshoot that it's it's kind of like U.S. Open light. In a weird way, but you can still make the pins scorable enough that you could still have that style of tournament if you wanted to. Basically what we saw between Friday, where there was what, like one decent score, and then Sunday where guys actually went out and shot a score. I do like that in a course and i think that now that they've started to add courses to the rotation based on where it's landing on the schedule because this was booked like 10 years ago from oak hill i don't know if we will go back to oak hill again based on the time of year that it is right now that i do like it a little bit i do like the crapshoot i mean golf is a fucking crapshoot anyway like who are we kidding
1: i no i i agree with all that i'm, I'm saying more like from a dfs perspective and I, I do enjoy it i do enjoy it And i like the u.s open too but it is—it's like if you're, you know, uh, Saturday at two o'clock, and and you know you're in first place, like that means absolutely nothing. <laughs> Where on a regular course, you still have a shot, like you know you 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 could win that, but it really doesn't matter. And like the, the reason I bring it up too is because that's like Michael Block or whatever. Like the reason he could perform is because it's so crazy that somebody like that will eventually pop just due to the variance inherent in the course like that. Um, Which is kind of fun, though, too, like when some, you know, amateur is doing well or something like that. So it it is fun for DFS. uh, I think it makes the sweat. Well, I guess there's the flip side of when you're down, you know, like, hey, I could be one on Sunday.
2: (laughs) Well, it's funny that we criticize the PGA Championship for something like this. And it is the main criticism that I've heard is that, like, how the hell can this block guy go up against the best players in the world? Is it because of the course or is it because of the conditions? Whatever it might be. I mean, he hit, like, every fairway and made all of his putts for three days. That's why he got to where he was. That's not crazy. But if this was the Open Championship and there was some, like, 17-year-old amateur that was at the top, which is something that we see, like, once every five years – you know, yeah. everyone finds it quaint and it's like really fun.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Like they can't, they, they root for that guy. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, you you flipped me completely now. Now I love the the O'Connell's courses. <laughs> you win.
2: Yeah. I, I just, I think the PGA made a decision whether it's based on course selection, setup, whatever it might be, that they've had the most dramatic, like they've had the best finishes at majors over the past five years. Like the Phil Brooks one was awesome. Oh, yeah. And, like, the Thomas Phil, Phil, last year.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Phil did, Phil did pretty pretty solid this week again, too, uh, for, for his age. He looks uh, he looks uh, fit, too, to me. Still looks like he's working out, losing weight.
2: Phil may have lost too much weight. He, he's at that point. That happened to me at one point in my life where, like, I was a bit bigger, and I was like, I'm going to get into shape. And I went from, like, 180 down to, like, 150, and, like, I look gaunt. All of a sudden, like being super fit was not a really good look on me. Like I'm better somewhere off in between. Phil, I think needs to like add 10 pounds back because you know, at his age, like y- you you want to have a bit of fat on you the older that you get because then your face doesn't look like it's caved in all the time.
1: Okay. Okay. I, th- I think he looks good. I think he, he looks like he has a little muscle on his arms. He's playing some good golf. People, people hating on him that I love Phil.
2: Well, I mean, I don't think you and I have ever talked about live like from the beginning. I haven't really cared. I didn't really have a stance on it one way or not. I just didn't think it was going to be like a super fun golf TV show to watch like the, the back end of it is so bad where you really have like six guys who are really good. Another 10 guys who are pretty good. Then it's just a bunch of old dudes or guys who legitimately are not good that they need to save money and fill out the rest of the roster with. But I never had like the vitriolic stance against it the entire time. Like I was cheering for Brooks and Bryson this weekend, but my issue with live is they took all of my favorite characters from the PGA tour. And that may be mad.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, from a selfish perspective, I understand that. And the, I just like, I've always been pro live and I'm biased now. Cause I actually won one of the, the, the hundred K uh, <laughs> live uh, tournaments that they first put po- uh, first posted. So I'm pro live after that, baby. But in, in uh, joking aside, I was like, I, I think there's so many, there's so much there with live, but like, one of the things is like, Oh, there can't be two pro, leagues like i don't think that's true especially in the world of golf that's you know worldwide um you know like you can have college football and pro football and you know here in the states that both make a shit ton of money i think you can have i think you can have two leagues across the world um talent is subjective and changes with time right like tiger's not playing anymore we lost a huge talent there but it's still fun right like so i mean it just looks so bad after you t- you take what like five or 10 of the top golfers out, like clearly that was a, a talent train, but um, I, you know, that doesn't convince me either the, 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 you know, the strongest argument is how they're funded, obviously, but I don't know how they're funded. I don't know exactly how the, you know, the Saudi buddy uh, is getting paid to, to DJ or anything like that. Um, so like leaving that aside, I was just totally on board with it. I like the competition. Why would we have loyalty to the PGA, right? Like, that's this association. Like, I, I don't care. Like, you know, just do the P, the P uh, the PGL, the Professional Golfers League, to, to get new management in there. I don't care. Like, who cares who's running it, right? Like, for me, I, I also think the PGA's treated golfers pretty poorly a lot of the times. They've had monopolies, so there's nothing they can do. I don't like their coverage their yeah, coverage well. stinks you yeah you agree with me on that so like there's so many so many things and people have this like entitlement like these golfers are theirs and they and they should you know like what have you done to me like uh you know just go to davis Manic's twitter account you'll see plenty of uh, <laughs> tweets like this so uh for me um I'm, I'm I'm all for it i hope it i hope it gets bigger bigger i like the shotgun structure It's pretty fun to watch if you just want to watch like an hour of golf um so and it's you know some innovations um i'm I'm all for like the waste management you know thing in p g a where the you know the college kids are going crazy I think's fun, so I'm down for it. I do like you know nostalgic wise like the 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 records and stuff I think that kind of sucks like I do like records and the stats part of it, and so if they're not gonna count this these guys that kind of stinks, but just generally speaking i'm I'm positive on it.
2: But we don't I, I don't really care about the records because the only records that matter in golf are majors records and these guys can still play in the majors. And it's actually made the majors way more intriguing.
1: I, I agree with you, but, but didn't they didn't they they not allow somebody yeah, it,
2: it, it, it's Gooch. Gooch has to go qualify Gooch. for the U.S. Open now after winning back-to-back live events. I feel like either the PGA and Live are going to coexist and merge in like two years' time and all will be forgiven, and then all these guys will be back, or the official world golf rankings are going to have to kind of realize that this is the second-best golf league on earth, probably. Is it better than Euro? Probably. Is it better than Corn Ferry? Probably. At this point, that... I don't know. Or maybe they'll have to change three tournaments a year to make sure the guys can get enough points to get it. It's it just that, especially if I'm like CBS or NBC, like the Masters is one thing because the Masters owns that broadcast. They can do whatever the fuck they want. But when you have, you know, NBC shelling out all of this money for the British Open and the US Open and CBS is shelling out all the money for the PGA Championship, they're like, well, what do we get with all of our existing golf tracks, tra- golf contracts? But now we have these majors as well. You know, If people aren't watching the Byron Nelson because of Liv left or people aren't watching the Valspar because you're not getting stronger fields where three of the top Live guys may have played in this tournament, thus making it a much stronger field if DJ and Bubba had showed up to Tampa rather than Eric Cole and whoever the fuck is on the PGA Tour at the back end taking up those spots now. But if you can incorporate the Live guys into the majors well, then you have a real reason to tune in to watch the majors because this is the only time you're going to get to see these two leagues go head-to-head. There's a real draw in that. The issue with Liv and how it's structured, like you said, you like the shotgun start. If you want to watch an hour of golf, it's kind of perfect, and I agree with that. The issue that Liv is having is that is a business model for the PGA Tour, not a startup, because the only people that really know about Liv— or care about live are like the really hard golf people who really hate live to begin with. It's, it's not big enough to have a casual audience yet.
1: Sure. I mean, and, and it's their money, right? It's yeah. the Saudi's <laughs> money. if they want to blow, if they want to spend another 200 billion promoting this till people actually do know about it, you know, Hey, more power to you. So uh, I, I, I mean, it is, it is uh it's a risky move by them, right? And it's probably just like buying a yacht or something maybe to them, who knows. Uh It's nothing to them. But, yeah, so I mean I agree with you like uh you know, you, they they could have played this much better. I think the PGA the their response like kind of showed weakness in my opinion like by going like they hired, I don't know if you saw any of those documents, they hired like uh protest groups uh to protest live events and um was that some true? really dirty under w- was that true that- or
2: is that just what live said
1: oh i think there's documentation on it and listen i saw it on twitter pat so it has to be true right that's that's the how deep of a dive i i went into it um so maybe it's not true but uh this shows for entertainment purposes only right can't sue me um but there was that but there was some other things like uh you know they they went to they tried to black balsam players right and they went to court and the the judge said they had to play i think also happened so there's there's more more than one and just the the full court press uh of hate uh, you know on them from the the PGA uh media too because well it's in their interest to do that because they want to carry favor with the com- you know with the with the um the organization they're covering so i don't know i i mean i'd like to know if that was true or not because i thought that one was pretty shady um, uh, but, anyways, all that kind of, to me kind of signals signals weakness because if you have, you know, if if Pat Mayo started his own, um, you know, Amazon delivery co- type company, I doubt Jeff Bezos is going to be shaking in his boots, right? So, like, um, you know they they must they must and and also too they they ponyed up money. Afterwards, right to the players in the in that new pool of, of money for the the sixty man fields and such. It's like, oh, where was that money show last year? Of course, yeah. Now you're gonna now that you have less players, you're gonna give us more money. So you couldn't have done this before. I I, I would love it. Like you know, I am uh, far from a communist, but I would love it if the players owned the BGA. <laughs> uh I think they could hire some marketing people and stuff to do the gig. I I thought it was as a kid. Uh, apparently, it's not.
2: The two things that I, I think they – what you said about the PGA is right because they did show weakness, but it wasn't weakness that they were scared of Liv. It was weakness that now they actually had to pay the players a bigger portion of the pie that they were making and that in order to keep them there and not going to live. And the biggest thing that – I mean, the biggest error that Liv has made is hiring Greg Norman. If they had just hired like a reasonable person that people don't actively hate, maybe someone who was, I don't know, 30 years younger – you could have at least put a different. It has a different spin, but at least try to capitalize on that different spin because it just feels like live is different for the sake of being different, rather than this being like a real thing that people can get into.
1: Yeah, I mean, they maybe they maybe they will hire somebody new. Maybe they should. I I, I don't think it's over for them. I think their 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 uh, sunk costs uh, fallacy. You know, I, I imagine they're probably going to pump some more money in it. Maybe they should hire someone new. I think if you if you gave the axe to Norman, that might carry favor with some of like you know the Tigers or something, uh, who are who are upset with how he handled it and poached the players. Maybe not. Maybe there's no uh, reconciling it. So yeah, maybe that would be a good move. I don't I don't really ha- I don't really know any suggestions I would do for them. I just like the idea that the competition's out there, and you know maybe and we've already seen it. I don't know if you agree with this path. I think the ESPN coverage on the app is is better than it was before that's not saying much because it was pretty bad before
2: i think that the espn coverage is better than the broadcast coverage agreed yeah it still could be better though oh (laughs) oh oh most definitely it could be better but at least you have an you have many avenues on the app now to watch more of what you actually want to watch. Like if you have a bet on Cameron Smith and you want to bet on Cameron and you want to watch Cameron Smith, you can kind of do that at this point, not just pray he pops up somewhere. Now there's certain players that obviously you cannot do that for, but I think Liv's biggest drawback is that it didn't lean like a hundred percent into gambling. Like that's where it would have got its audience from.
1: I agree. Yeah. They should have definitely contacted DraftKings and like, been like, Hey, we want to, we want some big, big prize pools for this You know, this kind of goes back to the, the legislator thing we were talking about the ignorance factors. Like I bet Greg Norman's like, what the heck is DFS, you know? So like, but they, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. They should have leaned into sports, but they have the lines down there, the movements and just like, uh, and the, you know, and the coverage, just, just make a better uh, more cameras where you could follow your golfers You're, you know, all of them are going to the same time. So it could be pretty, it could be like red zone golf kind of, you know? So like, there's a bunch of, bunch of things they could have done if they didn't hire, you know, this 67 year old guy, I got nothing against them, but they, they probably could have done some more innovation.
2: Well, you could have even get like, it's a gimmick anyway, with the team event and the shotgun start, like make a closest to the pin par three. And like, people can bet on that all day if they want to. Sure. Right.
1: Yeah. They could have done a bunch of they could have done a bunch of stuff. The live the live uh, price pool's been going down on on uh DraftKings too, I'm not happy about. So like I imagine if they like worked with them, they could have probably who knows, maybe sponsored it themselves and paid some of the rake or something. Maybe. But you also have know, like,
2: to remember too that like DraftKings and I think all the major betting companies and daily fantasy places are all mm-hmm. official partners of the PGA tour. So maybe that's a part of it, like, hey, not not too much focus on this.
1: I, I bet that's going. I bet that's happening. That might be it. It'd be, um, that sucks too. That sucks for the players. I mean, and DraftKings Kings does want to make money though. They still, they still, you know, if they can make some extra cash, I, they, they do still have that incentive incentive, but n- no doubt. I bet talks like that have happened, but like, let's assume it didn't like, you know, maybe live sponsors, uh, a hundred K to first rake free. That's going to fill every time. Right. Like do that for, you know, However long, maybe drop it, you know, half rake or something, or add it on. They'll add on 10k or 50k to, to the prize pool just as their sponsorship deal with DraftKings. They could have done. They could have done so many, so but, many things, Pat. But but but, yeah. but
2: you you don't think that, that if let's let's say Live ran a milli maker a million dollars rake free on DraftKings, you don't think the same people that really besmirched the players for taking Saudi blood money, they'd play in that contest that was rake free, really? <laughs>
1: in a in a heartbeat in a heartbeat these guys have no actual morals pat they just like they like feeling good on the keyboard and uh shaming people and puffing themselves up a little bit like i'm a little bit more moral than you pat that's what this is all about
2: that 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 is the internet really in a nutshell did you ever think that lols would become the investigative 60 minutes of the dfs space
1: no no, not at all. Uh, yeah, that was totally organic. We were we we also didn't think we would cover League of Legends for six months during COVID, but you know, hey, it happened.
2: So in like, because I, I know that you just had uh, you had hoop on uh, talking about the Run Pure stuff uh, and Ship It Nation, the brand new site with my buddy Tambo started it with hoop. Um, like, are people reaching out to you now to come on? Because I know that show did big time traffic.
1: Uh, no, no one's, no one's reached out to come on. Um, you know, we'd be happy to have whoever, obviously. Um, but, uh, just a lot of good, positive feedback. Uh, A lot of like DM people DMing me, you know, in the, in the business and saying great show. That was awesome. Stuff like that was, was cool. It was nice reception uh yeah i didn't think it would be that popular either um and we're gonna have i think we're gonna have a bigger show than that too it's not it's drama but it's not like that kind of drama uh hopefully in a few weeks i can't spoil it though because it might never happen
2: is davis gonna turn on pete and go full heel
1: (laughs) you never know you never know uh nah davis wouldn't do
2: that Gutless. Too gutless to do it. But that would be the move for him. Really increases stock. Increase the exposure, feuding with Pete.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he leaves the swell cast.
2: Yeah, just walks pig, off. Yeah. Uh, I can't I, do it anymore. I, I did want to ask you, because I, I think, I forgot if you said it or you had tweeted about it. But either way, did you watch all of Star Trek Picard?
1: I watched the, all of the last season, season okay. three.
2: Now, I know that you and Davis do the Star Wars recaps over on his Patreon. So I've always been, you just since I was little, maybe it was the time that I was born and came of age that the Star Wars movies were enough in the past and Next Generation was just taking off on TV. But I've always been far more of a Star Trek guy than a Star Wars guy. What about you?
1: No, I mean, first Star Wars, you know, the toys and stuff as a kid. And then Star Trek, um uh in Next Generation was what, what I got hooked on not, not the original series. So it was the Toys as a Kid, Star Wars and then and then Next Generation.
2: Did did you like the final season of Picard? Because I, I feel like you'd be hard pressed to find anyone who went to Paramount Plus to watch it, actively seek it out, and then didn't like it. It hit every single sort of check mark of what you wanted from that show, whether it was good or not is kind of irrelevant that you just enjoyed watching it.
1: It's yeah. Nice uh, change of space, uh, change of pace, excuse me, for, for (laughs) a lot of this kind of legacy content has been really disappointing in my humble opinion. But I thought the four first four episodes were kind of like a mini little Star Trek movie. Uh, and, And if you consider that a movie, probably the best, Star trek in the last twenty five thirty five years uh maybe not thirty five years but like um in a long time um the rest of the uh season was still good um I have my gripes on some of it, but it was still compared to the other star trek, and I think he was trying to set up a new star trek um series clearly with the the last uh outro uh i don't know if you you oh, after yeah credit scene oh i i yeah, stuck yeah.
2: around
1: okay. So the, so like, then he has to play that like second half of the season, slightly different differently. Um, but like, uh, like the star Trek has been so bad. Like I can't even make it through like an episode of a lot of those first two seasons. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, I, I I've
2: yeah. I think I've watched every—I haven't watched—there's a there's a show called Prodigy, and I haven't seen a second of that. But I've watched all of new Star Trek, including, like, I watched all of Discovery. Lower Decks is excellent. The cartoon is just fucking mm. hilarious. But I really like—Strange uh, New Worlds is coming back, which is like a riff off the original series. It's actually quite good, because it's episodic. It's just, here's the story, it's 40 minutes, then we're on to next week— well, like, we'll kind of pretend like the last episode didn't happen. We're just on to a new adventure. Like, Discovery has some moments that are really good, but it is a fucking slog to sit through.
1: Right. Yeah, I couldn't make it through that. Um, like, a lot of this, uh, I, I'm not a fan of Kurtzman uh, and, uh, you know, most of his work. <laughs> so I, I, I don't like in Star Trek the 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 huge battle scenes and stuff. That's Star Wars. Yeah right and and like he he's like huge on like a thousand spaceships and tw- 2000 space monsters and and all that stuff and uh and you know a lot of the 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 drama I didn't enjoy um you know really the whole the JJ Abrams disciples I'm not a big fan of like I didn't I didn't I wasn't like the the Star Trek movies that he did were like all right fine I don't think that's Star Trek like Star Trek's like you know smart you know thoughtful where they like in like in um in in this picard season where they were caught in that uh nebula right and they were trying to escape and uh they, they uh they they came up with an idea of you know shooting uh i think it was like you know shooting a proton uh missile out and then exploding it igniting part of the nebula and shooting that ship away you know or the countdown you know scene i guess i'm doing spoilers here but it's fine uh you know <laughs> these are all these are all like smart Star Trek solutions. And it's and it and also too, they they do a lot in the, the the stuff I don't like, they do a lot of modern day issues, which Star Trek does in the in the past, but they do it well. And so like they do this allegory well, like um, in Next Generation where uh we're really nerding out here, but like next generation where the episode, do you remember this one where it was like the planet that was a drug addict planet? And they oh. were addicted, and the supplier was the planet next to him. Yeah, right? that, that like, was from, that,
2: that was from the first season. the 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 drug addicted planet, or uh, the the one planet, only had one export, which was the drugs for the other planet.
1: Exactly right. Yes, and uh, you know that that first season can have some, had some brutal episodes, and <laughs> that and it's it was nineteen eighty nine, I think. So long time ago. But uh, but anyways, but clearly that was like, you know, that the drug war was raging at that time. Right. The the whole D.A.R.E. program. I don't know if you guys had any of that stuff. Up oh, there, yeah. But yeah, like I had to go through D.A.R.E., you know, and so like uh, but it was done well. Like, I didn't know. No, right? but I but but, but, ha-
2: but how much are you rem- Like I would almost 100 percent because there's a specific scene in that episode that I remember which is Wesley going to the uh, the late, great Tasha Yar. I mean, she wasn't really all that great. She was late, though, of the first season. That it was kind of like uh, the dare moments like, why are drugs bad? And then, like, she explains into the camera for four minutes why drugs are bad. I think if we went back and watched that now, it'd be like, oh, this is the most obvious thing in the world. So like, I, I hear the complaints about new Star Trek, like woke Star Trek. Like, there's probably never been a TV series more woke on television ever from 1965 on. Uh, Just trying to uh, address progressive issues that, you know, trying to create. And some of the allegories are good. Some of them are bad. But I think that the stuff that we watched as kids to watch it through an adult lens, you are like, oh, shit, this is the most obvious stuff on the planet. And that we're transferring that over to what we see now. But it's always kind of been that way
1: that's entirely that's entirely possible i would i would argue it was done well the majority of time then and poor now even with uh the hindsight agreed i think i think they for i think they force it a lot more in a contrived manner and the contrivances of a lot of these shows is what pisses me off it's like it's like like you're clearly forcing that and not not even talking about woke stuff and also too like it doesn't even have to be woke like it could just be any issue of the day you know um You just want to do it, if it's done well, uh, you don't even notice it a lot of the times.
2: Well, I think a part of the problem, especially, because this has been the main complaint about Discovery, but essentially an entire Discovery season is like what one episode of TNG was. They've just taken the story and ripped it out. So it just seems far more tedious when they're trying to tackle something like, I think season four was like, Basically, environmental issues and like pollution, that kind of thing, which is great for one episode, whether it's done poorly or done well. You know, that doesn't really matter because the next week you're on to something else. But now when it needs to last for 12 episodes that are all an hour apiece, it's like, all right, like I've I've got it.
1: That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, maybe I should give that one a shot. Uh, It it depends on who's directing it. I'll have to look and look and see. I hope they oh, God, his name escapes me. who, Who did this last season of. Picard three like the rumor is they just go we screwed this up you go you do what you want to do and he was a um uh a PA on Next Generation when he was first coming up so he was like a huge fan and uh and and gave all us fans exactly what we would want to see in a movie and so like I'm I mean I'm hoping they see their head the numbers had to go up
2: it, right. well, yeah. had- I, I just looked at it. There's like official Nielsen streaming ratings now. And I think like since the beginning of March, it's like the third highest stream show on across all streaming platforms. So hopefully they give them another show. So like, I mean, it seems
1: like to me, like even when the star Wars world, it's like, who's writing it, who's directing it. Um, like Tony Gilroy is the guy who did uh, and or, and I know a lot of guys who like the sword fights and stuff like that. Star Wars fans who, who who dig that stuff didn't love it. I thought it was a fantastic show. Like you could actually watch it with someone who's not a Star Trek fan. I think they'd enjoy it. And even maybe even women might like this one. <laughs> and so uh, if he does something, I'm going to watch it. Um, but like, you know, it depends on, on who's directing some of the other Star Wars stuff. Like, like Obi-Wan I thought was just brutal. And so like it, for me nowadays it's like okay who's directing it who's not directing it and um and who's writing it it's harder because like before I would just be like oh Star Trek Lord of the Rings and Star Wars whatever I'm watching it now maybe not
2: but these have to be the most profitable things a streaming service can get into because especially for something like Paramount Plus which I would have to imagine is behind Peacock in terms of how many subs that they have. At least Peacock is getting NFL games exclusive to them at this point just, just to try to reel people in. But if you don't have one of these legacy shows, and obviously Disney yeah. Plus, if Disney Plus didn't have Star Wars, it would still be immensely popular because it still has every Disney product alive. If you have kids, you probably have Disney Plus uh, just to put it on and like try to get five minutes for yourself. But with Paramount Plus, like, what's the barrier to entry with any of this stuff? Are people really clam? Like, I I actually have Paramount Plus so I can watch their exclusive Challenge All Star seasons and I can go back and watch Real World. But I feel like there's only. So many of me out there to really push that forward. Star Trek still has their conventions. They get hundreds of thousands of people every single year to go to in Vegas. Like, it's not as big as Star Wars, obviously. But I think that, let's say hundred 100,000 people go to this convention. Probably 100,000 of them bought Paramount Plus to watch Star Trek.
1: I... Who had, who had the uh, the golf app before? Was it Paramount? One of one of them. I still have the subscription just because I had the uh, the, the the live golf uh, product before it became an ESPN product. Uh, that's why I still have a subscription there, which I need to cancel. Although I, my mom uses it for some show, so I guess I can't cancel it. With the with the with your point about like every every company needs something like this. Uh, I I agree I agree with that. Like. But, like there, there's kind of two thoughts i have in here one is like i'm so shocked with star trek and star wars that you you don't you don't recognize what you recognize there it's like how can you how can you blow these you know billion multi billion dollar um brands you could if you just do it you know if you just it, like they 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 go so like in star wars is more in my 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 wheelhouse on this this specific thing but like they didn't show mark hamill until the last second you know of of their big huge release of the first the first movie uh after uh the original trilogies uh the force awakens and it's like well you think that's what the fans want and then he's like a whiny guy you know like and he's a he's you know his character is completely different you know even mark hamill says that like, fine, you know, be artistic, you know, write the shows however you want, but, like, like, is someone who's owning, like, a billion-dollar product? Why would you risk that? Like, why would you come out with these these products? And, like, Star Trek has been so mishandled since All Things Must Pass, the last episode of TNG, in my opinion. Like, there's a lot of good stuff, right? Don't get me wrong. Like, Deep Space Nine, etc. I,
2: I, see, I, I'm gonna throw out that Deep Space Nine is better than Next Generation. I don't think it's close.
1: Yeah, okay. That Fair. Fine. Fine. I think my brother says the same thing. But, like, um... But, like, the movies, like, none of them were good. No, bad, <laughs> like
0: bad movies. Yeah.
1: It's like, like you like, guys realize there's the, a ton of money in here.
2: But the J.J. Abrams ones, I actually think, did the movies right in order to be popular. Because they were, like you said, they are not very Star Trek-y at all. They're just action-adventure. Which is really weird, because... With the Star Wars reboots and remakes, and that's why I think that Andor is kind of funny when it comes to this. I haven't watched, like, many of them, but I would guess that they're all supremely high-budget stuff because Star Wars has to be supremely high-budget with space opera and space battles. Like, graphic visual effects cost a lot of money. What's funny about the Star Trek stuff, and especially the reboots, is they have these giant space battles and the huge set pieces, which obviously cost a lot of money. But no one ever cared about that. It seems like they're wasting money on it. Like the best episodes of the next generation are essentially courtroom dramas.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like we do not need all these space battles. This is not it's not Star Trek. I, I, like with a lot of this stuff and like and like, you know, the woke complaints, the woke changes. I always go just like make your make a new thing. If that's how you want it to be, that's how you want Star Wars to be. Just make a new thing, and I would I would argue like a little bit with the uh, uh, the a- Abrams track movies, like yeah maybe they brought some people in, but a lot of those people they come and go, right? Star Trek fans are psychos, and they and they and they buy everything, they buy all the video games, and they and they're fans for life, and you don't want to piss them off, uh, and I think you want to cater them and just make good stuff, and you'll get more people too. So like th- those movies were fine, I and, but they just weren't Star Trek. And I like Star Trek, so like the first four episodes in Picard three is Star Trek, and it's good Star Trek, and so I would I would recommend it. And you know, if they don't want to make Star Trek anymore, make something else. You know, whatever it, it's it's I can't control it, but uh yeah, I I just want uh, original Star Trek. But like I, I I had a second point I wanted to say, and I can't and I lost my train of thought. But what were you talking about right before that? You brought that up. Maybe it'll maybe it'll hit me, or if you got another comment.
2: I was just going to say just how valuable these legacy projects are for streamers. I wanted to make the point about Apple Plus, which seems to do the best original programming. Just no one gives a shit. Like, Ted Lasso has become, like, a big hit, but it's not actually a big hit. Like, do you think it's really pumping up Apple Plus subscriptions that if I— Like, I bought a new iPhone, so I got three months free, so I watched Ted Lasso. not sticking around for anything else because there's nothing on there, like— you need to have an established product to begin with and you can do all of the best work, but then you're relying on word of mouth with like eight separate streamers out there right now. If you have no legacy products, I just don't know how you can justify pumping money into a streaming service. Cause it's just not going to work.
1: Okay. Now I remember, and it's related to that too. Not Ted Lasso, but uh tombstone, right? Like they, I think they were pretty sharp there. like, you do one, I haven't watched it. I'm just going based off of, you know, reviews. Are you reviews talking, about, are you and you talking popular... about Tombstone or Yellowstone? Oh, Yellowstone, excuse me. I'm sorry, Western, Western. I was like, is there,
2: is there a Tombstone remake that I don't know about? <laughs>
1: and it's fantastic, Pat. No, Um. yeah, Yellowstone, sorry. And now they have Yellowstone. They have what, the 1895 or whatever's the other one. They, they have a whole bunch of, of tied in, you know, prequels and sequels and they didn't really advertise it it's not a legacy product they just you know i'm assuming since it's so popular it's done really well and uh I, you know i think i think that's just like a great uh a great platform, like a great way to run these platforms. Like don't spend any damn money, just make a really good show and milk the shit out of it. Well, you know, and not,
2: and well, they they do spend it on these like secondary series that they've made. They've spent a ton of money on I mean, we, to get Harrison Ford into a TV show. That's probably like 50 million bucks right there.
1: That's, that's true. I was talking more like the advertising and stuff. I don't think they spent a whole ton of money on advertising.
2: Yeah, that's, that's, and they true. didn't spend any
1: money on an IP acquirement.
2: No, they, it, it's their original IP. I guess they would have to, right. you know, give the bag to Taylor Sheridan and, and move on. But like, even when they took Shonda Rhimes off of her like AB, I think it was an ABC run, and brought her to Netflix. Like, I don't know what she's doing at Netflix anymore. Like, she was supposed to. I think they gave her a hundred million bucks to create these shows. I couldn't name one show she created for Netflix.
1: I think a lot of these companies are doing that. You know, if you listen to these rumor mills. Like they're, they have like 18 shows in development none of them ever get made and they're paying for all that. So, you know, speaking of live being run poorly, uh, <laughs> I think a lot of these, these um, entertainment companies are just making huge mistakes. It just sucks when it's, when it's one of the few things I watch, I don't really watch much. I just like, I like sci-fi stuff, but there's not a lot of good sci-fi these days. Apple's got some okay stuff.
2: Yeah, I, Foundations. I, mean, I, I really wouldn't know to tell you the truth. Like, Well, Terry Metallus is the guy that did season three of Picard. He also created the 12 Monkeys TV show for sci fi, which I haven't watched, but if he did it, I assume it's like, all right.
1: Yeah, I haven't watched that either. On on Apple TV, I've watched uh, Silos, the first four episodes just happened. Uh, So far, so good. No complaints.
2: do Do you stream MLS on Apple or watch the Apple MLB TV game of the day?
1: I don't watch any sports except uh PGA and MMA, basically.
2: Really? Is that yeah. is that I've always watched, been a thing? I've,
1: oh no, I used to watch religiously uh all sports. <laughs> but yeah, I haven't watched a baseball game in I don't know how long—eight years. I watched an NBA game, probably same same amount of time. It's oh, I watch Red Zone. I watch Red
2: Zone. Yeah. Red zone's great. I, I just I built my own red zone with eight TVs on the wall. Just be like, all right, what am I gonna try to try to focus on right now while the games are going on? It's fun. That's how I get to spend my Sundays and get away from uh, my family for half a day, and I can pass it off as work. It's kind of nice. But what you no, said, what you, you know, you can, I can do what?
1: You can on YouTube TV now. They're they're putting this mosaic view.
2: So we don't so have that. You, so our our Sunday ticket is not through YouTube TV. It is, it's through both DAZN and DAZN has come up with the, because the first year it was on DAZN up here, and I think it's DAZN internationally uh, that owns the Sunday ticket rights, that it was so bad, like the, the lag time was like two minutes behind the games, that they repurpose and lease their Sunday ticket rights to both Rogers and Bell, our two main TV companies up here. So DAZN gets a cut, but you can watch it through your terrestrial TV too, and then there's no lag.
1: That's pretty cool, yeah. YouTube TV here uh, it it does have a delay. It's not huge, I don't think, but they're they're just coming out. They just did it for March Madness. They released like a demo, and supposedly it's supposed to be ready for NFL. But you could have you could split your TV into four screens live, and then put whatever you want on there. So uh, that could be an option for a lot of bros who don't want to buy you know six screens in their basement. You just get one big TV, and then you could pick whatever you want.
2: Yeah. If that was an option, I wouldn't have bought so many TVs. I would have bought one really big TV and done that and maybe had like two other TVs just to get the rest of the games on them. But I'm shocked that MLB.TV did this like 10 years ago and apparently no one figured it out.
1: Yeah. I remember I had the subscription Yeah, back in the day that that, that they had Mosaic View. Watch four games at once.
2: I you used to be able to set up MLB TV back when I actually like covered baseball and cared about baseball. Like I would set my fantasy lineup into the system that whenever my guy, like one of my screens was whenever my guys was up at the plate, it would just switch to that game, which was awesome.
1: Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Oh, that's pretty cool.
2: Imagine you could do that for golf. You have like your main core of DraftKings guys or the guys that you bet on and you could watch the three streams in one like the Masters would be perfect for this because the Masters actually does record every shot of every player and you can set it up that way it's just a little bit on an extended delay but if you get it almost real time where you set up like here are the seven guys who I want to watch for every shot it just makes a playlist to go to them live every time they're going to hit
1: yeah yeah perfect and you know maybe adjust based on importance like if someone's got some some you know funky shot you gotta watch you wanna watch that one over another one, but yeah that would be that would be a, that would be great sweat, you know you watch that right as uh on cut you know cut day, and uh you know I mean you could watch it whenever, but definitely on the cut line, that'd be fun and getting your seven your seven golfers and like you just need Jason day to just just par these last two, Jason, he's not gonna do it, but you can watch. <laughs>
2: It'd be nice to be able to watch. That's all I'm really asking for. It's funny that we have oh, progr- yeah. we have programs now that can write essays for us and predict the future. We can't figure out how to stream golf.
1: It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, with all this AI talk taking over the world, but what, what do we get? What do we get in reality?
2: Nothing. Get nothing. Nothing good comes from any of this stuff. So I I think that'll do it for this one. I'd love to have you back on sometime because I have a list of questions here that I don't think that we touched on one of them. I had one question for you that was, is the world better now or worse now that everything is easier? But we can probably tackle that next time. Okay. Yeah, I'm happy to come back. This is fun. All right. Thanks, Bri. Uh, Where can everyone follow you on Twitter?
1: Uh, Brian Hooper underscore underscore on Twitter. And uh, i got a website, Brick75.com. Where, can you uh, tell the I, tell the people
2: yeah. about Brick75.com and what they can get there?
1: It's it's uh, free, and I post my uh, MMA projections and ownership there and uh, PGA ownership projections uh, that I make myself and use myself. And um, uh, uh, I have uh, a HUD. like um, It's called the Draft Caddy. It's an overlay for basketball and sports betting and stuff where you can overlay data right on the – the screen like uh you know if you subscribe to um any site that does projections you know etr stochastic you can just overlay them right on the props on the sports betting site or you can put your like ownership ex- um exposures on your be- next year basketball player so you don't draft too much of one guy or who their week 17 matchup is like you could drop there's a drop down list of a whole bunch of stuff you could change from and then this year we added a auto drafter which was banned by <laughs> underdog um where uh, i previously i had it where it would just draft for you based on how you want to draft like you you can put so much correlation with your qb you can do like a zero rb strategy and minimum you know maximum amount of player per position uh but so far they've banned that they're talking about like how they want to handle this and i switched it to it it now um suggests a player and puts it in your queue so you can take them not take them you know, whatever, but that's how they want it for now. And then we're going to port it over to DraftKings next afterward. We're in beta right now, but it's pretty cool. Like, I don't want to spend that much time. I don't know about you, Pat, but I don't want to spend an hour every day entering 150 lineups into Best Ball Mania 4, but I'd like to play it. So, and I only got 50 in last year. So, some of them I want to automate or automate the end of my teams. It's not like a solver, you know, it's not like a perfect sim. Um, It's just a smart version of their
2: autopilot. And it's just a Chrome extension, isn't it?
1: It's a Chrome or Mozilla. Chrome is really uh, tough to get in their store these days, especially with anything gambling related. So we're still trying on that one. But Mozilla, it's in the store. For Chrome, you got to download it on my website. That one is 25 bucks a month, though. Uh, it costs a lot of money to pay people to build this stuff. So, But the other stuff's free.
2: Oh, that's why you got to talk to Justin. Maybe we can split costs on it. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Okay. We've we talked about it. We talked yeah. about. Oh, it. Oh yeah. Of course. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, it's a great tool. I think I suggest everyone use it, and especially yeah, if if it's banned in one place, just play on DraftKings. Sounds like the easiest yeah, way can. to do it because the Pat Mayo experience still brought to you by DraftKings. So play DraftKings. Can I? I've confessed this to a lot of people, but I I don't like Best Ball.
1: <laughs> oh really? Okay. <laughs> I it, didn't at first.
2: Okay. Sell uh, me. But sell, it, sell, it, it convert it. me.
1: It's just the, the, I think the whole selling point is did you play fantasy football, you know, growing up, like where you and your buddies got in the room, got some beers, maybe, and drafted, yep. you know, old pen and paper days? Yep. Like I, that was fun. It's nostalgic and it's the rest of the season is a grind. And I hated making transactions and trades and stuff. I, you know, when I, I liked it when I was 19 and 20 and 21. But as I get older, I don't want to spend time doing this and evaluating these horrible trade offers for my buddy. So, like, the whole fun is draft day. And uh, that's all best ball is, is just the draft
2: day. So so I get that. And that, that's what's yeah. been articulated to me in the past. But isn't that just what DFS is every week?
1: Yes. Uh, but you're in competition making your lineup. When you're doing DraftKings, there's no competition. You're just sitting there going, eh, griot. I don't know. Where when you got a clock and someone else might take them. Uh, that changes things. So it's a little game in a game where DFS, you got all the time in the world to enter that lineup. I love DFS too. Don't get me wrong.
2: Well, how about this? How about I'm having a meeting next week about the launch of PGA best ball. How about that? Full season, they PGA have PGA. Best ball. full season, PGA best ball, full season, PGA best ball. Not that, not um, the, not that's just the majors nonsense.
1: Okay. And then, so then
2: I draft and I got to wait a year. Well, you'd wait the season. Probably launch it for Phoenix, I'm guessing, or whatever. Whatever the week is with the football off week, when people start paying attention to golf, actually, Farmers. Yeah, probably go from Farmers to through the FedEx Cup. Maybe that. Maybe end it at the British Open.
1: I mean, it's I, I. This is just my personal opinion. There's just not enough like correlations and stuff in PGA as there is in football. So like a PGA automated drafter would be like, just draft the best player you think (laughs) like re-rank them how you want them. But but if if,
2: if the whole point is everyone loves to draft, wouldn't that be a fun thing to draft?
1: Well, no, because then you don't have the, the, like, like you, like you take Joe Burrow. I mean, it's still fun. Don't get me wrong. I just, I would say NFL is more fun because like you could take Joe Burrow and ruin my stack. You know, but if you take Hideki Matsuyama, what does that matter to me? I'll just take the next best golfer. But I mean, it's PGA. uh, I did enter their their PGA one a few times. Um, I think I'm still alive. Actually, I got to check after today, after yesterday. Um, PGA. I think, I think the one day ones could be fun more so than one day ones uh, in NFL because NFL. like that, that the whole drafting on for like just a Sunday. I don't know. I don't love it. But for PGA, you got all week, right? Up till Thursday to fill it. Uh, that could be actually kind of fun. Be, and, and it doesn't change as much, you know, because like NFL, uh, they're starting running backs like, oh, he's not going to play today. News at, you know, 11 o'clock on a Sunday. That doesn't really happen in PGA, you know, barring a few injuries here or there. So like just getting like big, best ball one week, uh, tournaments, I think could be a thing. Um, maybe not, but like either way, best ball is pretty fun. Uh, I think you could still, you can make some money in it. One of the problems is the long, the long, (laughs) it takes so long to get a payout, you know, like a futures bet or something like that. Yeah, but I, think that's but, like,
2: what, but I think that might be you looking at it that way. And I know a lot of people within our industry, pro bettors, pro DFS players, the churnover of money so quickly is a part of the alluring part of it. Why people don't bet futures or even like high stakes fantasy football leagues at this point. But I do think for your average person who is not just doing this every single day, that there's some sort of safety and fun. Like, hey, I can put up 50 bucks now. That 50 bucks is now my f- six months worth of entertainment.
1: That's true. That's true. It's yeah. Like, it's kind of like PGA, uh, TFS golf, you know, where you get four days for your bang for your buck, uh, which I enjoy. So uh, that's fair. That's fair enough for, for, yeah, your regular, your regular guy. Some of them, some of them will like that. I got, I got no problem with that. Uh, you know, I was more or less, I guess saying that I like the, the possibility possibilities for PGA one week, um, more than any other sport. Uh, I think because like for the reasons I explained, because you have more you have you have more time. There's very few changes, not a ton of correlation that you could draft during the week and get you know maybe get some hundred k prize pools for a week one week, best ball PGA that'd be pretty awesome.
2: That would be pretty awesome. So I'll have to yeah. bring bring up hundred k daily best ball, better than showdown yeah. is what I'll call it. Did you final thing? Did you watch? I mean, obviously, you watched the PGA Championship. Did you? Were you in or out on Michael Block?
1: I don't think I played him. Yeah. No,
2: no, no not play him, but like just to, to as a oh. spectator of watching the PGA Championship. Oh. Did you like the story?
1: I, out, because he was not none of my lineups. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, yeah.
2: that, that will do it on the Pat Mayo Experience. Like and sub, as always, and check out the LOLs podcast with Brian and Pete Overzet coming out. What, when is it live every single week?
1: Thursdays at 1.30 Eastern, 12.30 Real America time.
2: Is real America time that one in the middle? That's central, yeah. Real America. God, <laughs> horrible time zone. Anyway, that will do it for the show. Thank you all for watching. Appreciate it. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Have your experience. Experience.